a lot of, of our thoughts are not who we are, but we think we it is who we are. And then we believe that about ourselves and then we hate ourselves for it. We all have a shadow. Welcome to the Rebel Health Coach Podcast with Tom Underwood. Armed with truth and knowledge, your journey to a healthy lifestyle can be obtained. Preventative wellness, quality nourishment, and daily fitness routines dramatically improve your outlook on life as a whole. And you'll find the support and info you need to accomplish a healthier lifestyle here. Together, we can empower each other along our journey to an amazing you. On today's episode of the Rebel Health Coach Podcast, I have Dr. Lisa Templeton. She is a clinical psychologist, author, musician, poet, and spiritual guide. She founded and owns an interpersonal healing clinic, providing compassionate clinical care for all ages and backgrounds while addressing the importance of our relationships with each other and ourselves. She is a co-director of the Shaman Star, a spiritual organization guiding and empowering individuals to understand their divine nature and increase conscious self-awareness in the world. She resides in Broomfield, Colorado, just outside of Boulder with her family. She is also the author of an amazing book called Letting It Be, Mindful Lessons Toward Acceptance. I highly suggest you go to Amazon and grab a copy. And I will provide a link for that in the show notes. Thank you and enjoy the show. Lisa, welcome to the Rebel Health Coach Podcast. Before we dive into your new book, Letting It Be, Mindful Lessons Towards Acceptance, tell us about yourself and how this book came about. Well, I am a clinical psychologist. I'm living in Denver and been practicing for several years, doing my thing. Some personal stuff came up for me. I got married, super excited, started trying to have kids right away and nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. Month after month after month after month. So a couple of years of this go by and we're struggling. You know, We wanted to have kids. We had planned on it. And, you know, I'm, I'm working, you know, got my client base and I'm building a clinic at the same time and feeling pretty good about that. But we decided to do some IVFs to try to have a baby. And first one doesn't work. Second one doesn't work. Third one doesn't work. So in the midst of all that, I'm trying to just try to work on accepting and try to understand what it is I'm doing wrong. You know, of course, it's like, oh, you got to relax. You got all kinds of reasons for, you know, infertility to be happening. And so in the meantime, I started doing a 12-week class, online class. And it really, the class was kind of for me too. It always is. As I work with patients, they in turn teach me a ton. Um, so it's a very reciprocal kind of thing. And doing the 12 weeks of acceptance, and it really turns out to be a lot of the chapters of the book. Um, and one day my mom mentioned, you know, you should write a, this should be a book. And I said, wow, that's a great idea. So I took all the week, you know, because uh, every, um, every week I was putting out some different things. And then 
So I put it all together and I started working on it. And then I started really practicing. You know, I mean, not that I hadn't been practicing. Uh, it was really quite a mix of my psychological, cognitive, behavioral roots, um, along with a lot of spiritual work I had been doing, practicing and learning more about um, kind of a love-based shamanism in Denver, um, working with a beautiful community of women down there that also helped. And so it kind of all just came together. And then I just started working on it. And I just love writing. I've always been a writer and doing some writing. I actually have another book I'm working on right now that I've already written. (laughs) But I have a lot of editing and um, additions to to make because I wrote it like 10 years ago. But I just found myself, you know, really helped by the words that were coming through me. Um, And that's how the book came about. And I'm just so blessed and thankful. Um, And I continue to practice it. I definitely in awe of the book myself (laughs) because it kind of came through. It's yeah, it's an amazing book. I I've like I said, I've read it and uh it's actually been in my briefcase for the last four weeks while I've been bopping around. Oh. Thanks, Tom. uh, Appreciate it. One of the reasons that I wanted to bring you on the show today is the fact that some of the root causes of disease in the tree of life are stress, toxic thoughts, poor relationships, trauma in our lives. Mm -hmm. These, to me, are some of the keys that stop us from being the healthiest versions of ourselves. You know, this is this book is key, and because when I'm helping clients. I mean, clients come to me with disease and want to lose weight and want to reverse their disease. But one of the key things to me is is these causes of of, of disease that nobody ever addresses. Yeah. And this book is like spot on from from the beginning to the end. It's full of pearls. Thank you. To address these issues exactly. So. Like I, I, I've given this book as a gift, you know, to people that I know and care about. It's amazing, and and you start off right straight off from right in the beginning, in the intro, even on page four about the importance of of, of the message of this book is acceptance. Mm-hmm. And like you said, to your point, acceptance. Please explain this a little bit to us. Like, what is acceptance to you? Well, I mean, it's a big one. And I mean, first of all, I just want to thank you so much for having me on, you know, to talk about mind and body things. Uh, it's, I'm so appreciative of that because there's such a huge connection. And so, you know, people want to address their body, but they don't always want to address their mind. There's a lot of fear there and there's a lot of layers and that we don't necessarily want to address. Right. And and so, um, you know, like what you're saying about the toxic thoughts and the, you know, the stress and poor relationships and all that, you know, what I kind of address right from the gate in the in the first chapter is resistance. There's a lot of resistance in the world. And, you know, I've heard, oh, stress is the number one killer. I, I really think resistance is the number one killer. Yeah. Easier said than done to not right. resist, you know, because I catch myself resisting all the time with different things that are happening and flow is off or, or whatever happens. At the same time, you know, it, I can, if I can catch it, 
then I can relax into whatever the reality is that I'm trying to resist and then kind of move into a more acceptance of the moment. And, you know, certainly I, this is one of the reasons why I titled the book as I did, um, Mindful Lessons Toward Acceptance. I'm not enlightened. I mean, I am never going to fully accept everything here. And I, you know, I, and I, many people may wonder if I did have children or not. And I, I did not. Uh, we did another IVF, the fourth one. And it was like, oh, it was exhausting, overwhelming. And, you know, and I still struggle at times. Um, and then there's moments where I'm like feeling so gifted and blessed to have the time that I have to not have children, to be able to write this book, to help others in kind of bigger ways. Right. So, you know, I think when it is all said and done, you know, acceptance is a process. It is a constant lifelong work. And it's not like, okay, I got my mind right. I'm good to go. <laughs> you know, and it, right. it's a constant work. And I'm, and I'm happy to be able to help others do it and continue practicing it myself because I will always work on this. Yeah, it, it, you say on, on page four, we, we must work on letting whatever is within us just be. Mm-hmm. I love that part because, you know, we all look in the mirror and we, you know, and look at ourselves. And, and the first thing we do is criticize ourselves. Yep. A lot of times, yes. Yeah. I mean, we judge ourselves on and we basically mind F ourselves, mm-hmm. you know. Definitely. You know. And we have to learn to accept just to let it be and love ourselves. Yeah. So I, lo- I love that part in here. Well, and it's an easier, it's easier said than done. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, love yourself, you know, sure. And then what I find is that I am resisting a lot of things that I find about myself. You know, I, I don't like this or that or, you know, whatever. And so I think we've learned in our society to criticize what we don't like because that will somehow motivate us to be better. It's a really messed up theory and research does not back it. You know, children of all, you know, many ages are found that encouragement, support, love, positive words help a person, you know, motivate, not criticism. Right. Exactly. We fall into the trap. And it's a pattern of thinking, conditioned pattern. What is that? I think stinking thinking. Is yep. that what that saying is? Stop the stinking thinking. thinking. Yeah, isn't that uh, Joyce Myers? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it is Joyce Myers. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah, I love yeah. her too. And, and I mean, you know, it's like, how do you know if your thoughts are stinking? You know, I mean, we're, we're not even paying attention a lot no. of times. There's so much external stimuli going on that... Going within is not our first priority, yet it really should be. Right. To your point about so much busyness in, in, in our thinking, because we're connected, so connected to everything these days. And Facebook is, mm. I, your phones, your, you know, you can't, you know, we're just so connected that sometimes you got to take a step back and say, I can't do this. Yeah. And at least give yourself a day away from all of it. You know? Absolutely. And, and I mean, even a moment away, right. you know, I mean, like to just close your eyes and listen, you know, right. I mean, and that's one of the things about this book is that 
It really, from each chapter, builds on itself to help somebody look within in a kind, gentle kind of way. And that's what, to my next sub point is, what is the best way for somebody to use this book? Well, yep, I'm moving ahead of you already. So, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it, it really is chapter by chapter. I think, you know, using the book to look within... If your goal is, you know, I'd like to learn about myself a little bit more, I think the book is for you because then, you know, you can take your time and first off, be wherever you are, allowing yourself to just be, you know, I mean, maybe you feel anger, maybe you feel judgment, maybe whatever is going on, that it's okay. A lot of, of our thoughts are not who we are, but we think we it is who we are. And then we believe that about ourselves and then we hate ourselves for it. We all have a shadow. Um, and so, you know, the, I think the best way to use the book is just taking your time, you know, take it chapter by chapter and really practice. Listen, you know, right. I mean, there's chapter on being with your body, being with your thoughts, being with your emotions. Take the time to be with your thoughts. Listen, you know, what do you got going on up there? You know, right. some fake news, potentially. You know, I mean, um, <laughs> I, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, yes. Yeah. <laughs> But how do we know if it's fake? How do we know if it's some, you know, old condition thought that we internalize from some abuser or or whatever? And each chapter has a poem and a meditation at the end, which is amazing. Yeah, you know, I am a poet. I'm a musician and a songwriter. I think art is a huge aspect of balance, you know, for for life in general, Um, and it definitely brings me and inspires me in a lot of ways. So I included some of my poetry and also some guided written meditations to help in looking within around these particular issues in each chapter addressing a certain part of ourself. Exactly. And, and, you know, right. I'm still in the introduction. We haven't got to pass that, but I, I don't want to cover the whole book, but I do want to talk about something that needs to be said as we move forward in this, is that when we talk about a higher power, to me, the higher power is God, but a lot, not everybody believes that. So sure. the high, let's talk a minute about higher power, God, the universe. Because yeah. I also believe in the universe has a lot to do with it. I agree. You know, I'm very spiritual and I was raised, you know, Christian and activist and uh, non-denominational for many years. And then kind of pulled away from that. And then I came back in from a more, you know, just a, a big, like an understanding that there are very, there are many paths to God. Right. And, you know, and I know some would not believe that either. And that's okay. You know, I mean, I really try to address everyone, you know, even Christians. I, w- I want everybody to be able to read this book and not be offended or not right. be you know, feeling that, you know, though that's not for me, uh, because we, there's something going on here. My heart is beating and and I'm not doing anything to, I don't know how this is happening. You know, how does life happen? You know, the essence of life itself is something to revere and honor in, in, in a sacred kind of way. And, you know, whether you want to call that God, or maybe that's the glue that holds us all together, I don't know. And, And none of us know is the reality. Right. You know, but I think just finding something that's bigger than you. I mean, I can never have done any of this without God. Right. And I don't think I could do my work even in the clinic 
you know, without God. I draw in on all kinds of spiritual um, aspects for help and guidance and support because, gosh, I I wouldn't want to live this life and have to do it all on my own. I don't know if it's possible. No, it's not. Without Not without happy, you know, I mean, right. yeah, I, I, you know, I think feeling more happy and lighter and joyful in right. life doesn't mean you're not going to feel, you know, difficult, hard, you know, things that are tough and that's okay too. Yeah. Yeah. All so right, I love that God is up, yeah. is like all through this and hopefully that doesn't deter anyone because it's, you know, it, you could, you could focus on just anything bigger than yourself. Right. and be totally fine reading the book. Right. And, you know, the universe is, you know, I, sometimes I think the universe speaks to me in ways that, I, you know, I don't quite, quite understand, you know. Mm-hmm. I, for, for me, yeah. I'm affected by the moon for some damn reason. Oh, yeah. Well, especially today because yeah. we got a new moon in yeah. Taurus. And- yeah. It was like that Mercury and retrograde stuff just jacked me up, man. <laughs> yeah. I, I never believed in that until I just started doing this for a job, I was like, okay, wait a minute. What's this Mercury and retrograde? Uh-huh. Yeah, it's I funny. Can... When you start to pay attention, oh, yeah. you notice. It, it really jacked me up. This last one, I was like, oh, man. Can't wait till it goes away. <laughs> Let's talk about mindfulness before we continue. Mindfulness is an interesting subject because a lot of people don't understand what we mean by mindfulness. Could you integrate well, in that a little bit. Uh, mindfulness, uh, you know, originally was coined by Don Kabat-Zinn, who has done tons of uh, work in hospitals and just bringing presence to a lot of healthcare professionals over, overall. Um, his definition of mindfulness is kind of what I based it on. And he says, you know, mindfulness is um, being present in the moment on purpose without judgment. And that's, hmm. I think, a key piece is that last part of without judgment. You know, I can be in the moment and be like, oh yeah, the birds are singing and you know, everything's okay. And oh, except uh, I got this headache or I got this thing going on and men, why am I this? And you know, or whatever. And then we start to get into judging the moment and then we kind of lose track. And so the idea is to just be there noticing on purpose without judgment. Perfect. There's an allowance that goes on with that. And it's a practice because, I mean, you have to plan. We're thinking ahead. We're very future-oriented as a society um, or maybe past-oriented, reviewing what we said, how we messed up, this, I shouldn't have said this, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Right? right. And, exactly. and so, you know, I mean, it's like, what is that doing for us? Right. It, it doesn't do anything for us. Even future, you know, prep doesn't really quite cut it because, you know, we show up and we're all prepped and then something else happens and then the whole thing's, you know, spontaneous anyway. Exactly. One of the things I cover with my clients is that, you know, getting out of bed in the morning sets the tone for the whole day, in my opinion. Mm, me too. If, if you I lay agree. in bed and sit there and go and moan and gripe about, I, I don't want to get up, you know. Yeah. But if you just get up and say, "Hey, it's going to be an awesome day," it, it will change. It that little tweak will put your whole day in a whole different light. I mean, it can help. It depends. I mean, I'm a proponent of not throwing a bunch of rose petals on a pile of crap. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. 
So like, I'm, you know, some people might wake up and they're, you know, incredibly anxious or they've had horrible dreams or, you know, I mean, they've been and have insomnia all night and, you know, and they're worried about, you know, getting fired or, you know, tons of different problems going on. And, and I think that it's what helps me in the moment when I wake up is to, you know, kind of honor, okay, whatever's going on, I'm not feeling well, or I'm not, you know, if there's something negative going on, and then to be able to say, you know, I can rise above this, I can breathe through this, it's okay that I feel this way, and I'm going to make the day the best I can. Um, and, And I think that, you know, it's not, it's not this rosy, crappy smell. <laughs> it kind of goes along with because I think you know there's an aspect of positive psychology. Right. It's like, oh, just say all the positive things, you know. Right. And I think you know if you think of the mind like a garden, you know, we're just kind of adding, you know, planting a bunch of stuff in a weed-ridden garden, and that's not going to work. Bam! Pull the weeds, plant the seeds. Yeah, exactly. You can drop the mic right now on that one. <laughs> because, <Bam>. Yeah. <laughs> Plenty, I love that. I love that. Anyway, this moves us to the chapter one exactly, though, is be mm. wherever you are. Let yourself be wherever you are and know that it's always going to be all right. And then you mm-hmm. go into life's ups and downs. Why don't you take us there for a minute? Yeah. Well, and, and really, there's three parts to the book. Um, it's letting the difficult be is kind of how we, how to start. You know, okay. I mean, if you got a lot of difficult stuff in your life, then, you know, accept just moving right into acceptance doesn't work. You have to let the difficult be and learning how to just be wherever you are being with the difficult and then moving into the second part of the book. I'll just say real quick is um, letting yourself be. And that's part of, you know, getting to know yourself and being a better friend to yourself and all that. And then the last part of the book is letting oneness be. So then it's like understanding the connection that we have with everyone else. And, you know, so many people are trying to give compassion, but they're to someone else, but they're not giving it to themselves. Um, And it's just doesn't have the same quality of energy to that. And so the very beginning of letting the difficult be is just being able to be wherever you are without judgment back to the mindfulness uh, piece without judgment. It's, it's not useful to judge ourselves and it only creates resistance. Judgment is resistance. As a society, we tend to judge a lot. Oh yeah. And maybe even as humans, I, right. you know, I mean, I think, you know, we're always making judgments, right. you know, positive or negative, right. you know, and, you know, but I mean, it, and so sometimes I think it's, it's just useful to notice the energy that that creates within us, right. you know, without judging our judging. I catch people all the time. It's like they're judging themselves for catching themselves judging. Right. And then it's like, oh no, we're just layering up here. And it's not really, you know, I mean, if I could just catch myself judging and go, oh, I'm judging. All right. You know, similar to in some of the meditative, you know, realms, you know, they'll say thinking, you know, catch yourself thinking and just say thinking. Um, but there's no, you know, because I think there is the, the there is a, in the in the Buddhist realm, there's there's they're onto something in terms of attachment and attaching to good or bad, and we want more good and we try to get more good and 
you know, and then you know, have a cup of coffee and it's like, oh, this is so good. And then it's done. And then we're sad. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like it's this funny kind of thing that we just keep going over and over. And I think if we can work on just, you know, taking in and drinking in each moment and whatever kind of way it's my human experience, like maybe I'm sad, maybe I'm angry. Maybe I'm, you know, not happy with my weight. Maybe I'm not happy with some sort of health issue that's going on and and I'm blaming myself for it or whatever. If I can catch that and notice what's happening, then that's the first step in being able to let it go. You can't let something go that you've never held and owned. Exactly. Uh, Law of attraction. On page seven. This one, I, I really, I had to highlight this and, and then put a, a star by it. Consider the law of attraction. If like attracts like, then the same energy is drawn to itself. If we focus on lack, to your point, mm. we're, we are likely drawing more lack to ourselves. If we focus on abundance, we get more abundance. And that it feeds right into what you just said because... Yep. Well, and it's like, if I'm judging myself, that's an energy of judgment that I'm bringing to myself in some way, you know, I mean, and I don't, I don't need to do that. I don't, it's unnecessary. It's not helping anybody. And so, you know, if I notice what energy I'm creating within myself, then I can look at my life and I can say, oh, well, this is, I mean, because I'm a big proponent that we do create our, our life, you know, the, the, and, and of certainly you're not going to tell somebody that has a major problem, you know, oh, well, you created that, you know, I mean, <laughs> but, you know, that's not useful for anyone, right, right. Um, you know, but to really look at the depth of this mind body connection and how much power we really have in our mind, especially, you know, and, you know, when we can kind of take the reins of that power, then we start to see that, wow, you know, I am kind of creating what's going on in my life and the difficulties that are happening. Um, and I speak to that in the book a little bit and yeah. share some of my own experiences of of, find, of noticing that. It's like, I did this, okay, but not judging. I am creating this and I'm going to create something new now because now I realize what I, what I created in the past. Let's go be with your body now. I love the quote here. A disconnect between your mind and your body will only injure both. They need each to thrive. Mm-hmm. The mind-body connection is so incredibly powerful. Big time. And, you know, and like I said, you know, there's all these people going to the gym, doing all the body stuff, you know, but are they really feeling their body? Um, you know, most people that I talk to, and I've talked with hundreds, maybe thousands of people over the course of my career, are living, you know, from the from the neck up and very focused on, you know, all the tasking, all the stuff, you know, you know, just different analytical, you know, I'm very analytical myself. So I totally get that. And then it's like, whoa, what's, you know, it's like this green iridescent lamp. And then what's underneath it, you know, like (laughs) it's just going, going, going all the time, my mind. And, you know, underneath it's like, wow, there's a whole body here. And what I found when I really do connect with my body is that it has wisdom that is very difficult to describe. 
the kind of wisdom that we get in our minds, okay, you know, I mean, it's very information based and, you know, we, we take in information and, oh, okay, yes, you know, I mean, you could read this book from a mind perspective and then really miss out on the entire experience of being a human being. Um, because we are, uh, you know, this temple, this body we have is, we have this for life. This is it. No, but we can't trade it in. We can't, you know, shift out of it. It'd be nice, right? right. But then at the same time, you know, there's a reason why I have this body. And I, you know, and then, and then I want to treasure it. I want to honor it, it, it as much as I can. It, it, even if it doesn't, you know, if it's not the greatest friend to me or if it's hurting or, you know, I mean, I think a lot of people who are in a lot of pain, that is, you know, ripe for judgment and ripe for moving to our, from, you know, to a, an experience of neck up because it's too, it's hard to experience the body right. in that way. And so I, you know, and I, and I understand that, you know, and so what I encourage people to do with that is just take it, you know, one step at a time, you know, very gentle very slowly, you know, consider what you're experiencing just for moments here and there, you know, even right now, like sitting in a chair, you know, maybe you're driving, maybe you're whatever you're doing while you're listening to this podcast, that you're, you know, you could feel your body, you, you absolutely can. And you can breathe into it. And, and then you can come back right back up to the to the mind if needed. It's a great coping skill. It's not something that we want to be doing all the time. And to your point, I mean, our society kind of creates this also with, Aunt, mm-hmm. you know, in, in, in the commercials and, oh, you know, you turn on the TV, which I don't hardly ever do anymore. But mm-hmm. there's, I mean, I had a laugh. I was at a hotel room in Orlando last week. And in the shower, they had anti-aging shampoo. I really, I should have took a picture. <laughs> because I was like, really? So if I use this shampoo, my hair is going to look better. But yeah, I mean, it's just, it's that whole mentality of like, you know, as I'm approaching an age that an old, I'm getting older. And, yeah, me too. And I see, you know, and I see this, you know, the, the wrinkles around my, you know, I guess not really wrinkles, but I'm starting to get some jowls. I'll be mm-hmm. honest, you know, and I'm looking and I'm like, okay, how, how can I fix these jowls? Yep. Instead of just being happy with the jowls. Mm. It's like, I'm alive. Right. Oof. Thank goodness. Well, yeah, yeah. because you're not going to get out of this life wrinkle-free if you're going to keep living. Right, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So you get into that not good enough mentality. So I I really want you to go through this because, I mean, commercials, pharmaceuticals, you know, Botox, tummy tucks, lifts, you know, our whole society is, is, you know. It's all like change it, you know. Hide it, right? And stop, judge it, keep judging it, resist it, the best that you can. I mean, I, I see this not good enough mentality everywhere, and I see it in my own mind too. I, you know, I just, I think that it is a, a consequence of our society and the marketing techniques that are used in a capitalistic society. And I think it's unfortunate, you know, but I also think that we can rise above that. And understand that, oh, yeah, anti-aging shampoo, come on. I know I'm going to continue aging. And if I use the shampoo or not, you know, I mean, they're just trying to get people to, to, I think they're, they're selling to the ego 
of you know of this the society and you know most of us are not really in touch with our ego who wants to be in touch with your egos really <laughs> annoying in there you know <laughs> right. i mean my ego is annoying as hell so you know just to be able to look to take a step back and go oh hello ego what are you doing there and and just have a you know, there's nothing to fear and, and i do think that that is what it really comes down to is fear of not being accepted, not being loved, not being popular, you know, whatever it may be. It's this, I have to push, 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 push to be better, um, to look better, to feel better, to perform better, whatever it, it may be. It's, it's a pushing that is now... I think conditioned within our pattern of thinking um, that we don't even realize. But I think once I've started for me, started to realize that a little bit more, it's like, wow, I am good enough. Like good enough for what or for who? For me. That's what it really is all coming down to. Because everybody's gonna come and go and pass away or this or that. You know, I mean, the the only person I have is myself. Right. And so, you know, I mean, if I can understand within myself that, hey, I am, you know, I'm doing the best I can, you know, there's really no bar, you know, and it's not throwing my motivation. It's not making me like lazy on the couch. Screw it. I don't have to try. No, I feel encouraged. I feel more excited about, you know, whatever else I'm, you know, what my goals are, what I want to achieve in life. It's hard. Fear and negative hard. thoughts are fear it's and hard. negative thoughts are, are you know, and, and and we all have them. Mm-hmm. We all have them. I, I have Everyone. negative thoughts a lot. And Me too. you know, I beat myself up about a mistake I made, or I beat myself up about and so we all do it, but it's it's just when you really sit and look at it, it's counterproductive. Very. And I think it leads to a lot of disease. Exactly. Dis- Ease, ease, right? Exactly. Because I'm very uneased by right. the way that I may talk to myself in that sense, right? I mean, it, it, it feels uneasy. It doesn't feel good. And, and that creates more problems with the body. The body starts to, you know, like, wait a second, what's going on here? Like, we, you know, we don't like each other. Like, ugh, like there's this, an inner enemy that's not going to work. Well, I mean, if, and to that point, it affects our sleep. It affects mm-hmm. it affects the way we eat. It affects what we eat. Yeah, you know when Absolutely. we're feeling that way, like screw it, I'm having a bag of chips. Right, kind of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. It affects and, and when sleep is a big one. You know yeah. when you, when you stay up all night worrying, you're just killing your it's your, exhausting your rhythm, man. It's just like it's yeah. And then the next day is all blown. Yeah, and then the thoughts keep compounding. Because you didn't sleep, now you feel like crap, and now it just—it's a big right. It affects your performance, then you're more likely to make mistakes, and then you're mad at yourself about a mistake, and then worried about the future. It, it's a tricky mind game that you know, and, and I really do think that you know our our evolution and and our continuing connection as a society it is it, we have got to work on this right. Because, you know, if we continue this way, this is going to cause more and more. I mean, I see, I see it, the, the disease piece from a 
you know, individual human perspective. And then I also see the disease piece from a collective perspective. And the only way to heal is to start within. Right. All these things play a role in, in heart disease, cancer, anxiety, depression. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it just, chronic fatigue, hormones, it just, it just it's a cascade it effect. It does. And it's not just, people think it's just the food we eat. It's not just the food we eat. It's, this, that's one this factor. Is, I, of, think this is, I think this is like a third of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? There's a healing quality I have within myself that as I move through this book or you know work on things for myself, I get more in touch with. Right. And you know that doesn't mean that some, you know, somebody might have some thyroid issue and be like, oh my gosh, am I beating myself up? I don't know. Maybe, you know, I mean, and, and again, be careful of that. You know, I right. just want to, you know, alert listeners around that, you know, just to, just to whatever, you know, that, you know, if you're having thyroid issues, okay, be wherever you are and just start there. Right. Don't start with, well, I did this in the past and I should have this and should, 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 and don't should on yourself because right. that ends up, making you know a person feel really bad and it doesn't help the body and and the homeostasis that we're trying to return to with this kind of balance exactly we're going to go to be your breath because this is an interesting mm-hmm. chapter i because i like to i have a brace that says breathe on it and i like to tell people just breathe yes this is a be with your breath yes our and we're, we're not noticing our breath. Right. Exactly. And, uh, you know, most of us, you know, you cinch the belt and everything, and then it's just chest breath. You know, if you, if you look at every baby that's born into the world, they are belly breathing every time. And that is what diaphragmatic breathing is. It's just belly breathing, using your belly to breathe. And I kind of think of the belly as like this kind of oxygen hub, you know, and when we breathe through our belly and maybe, you know, as you're listening, you take a couple breaths into your belly and just kind of notice how your body feels, um, which is why I did the be with your breath chapter after the be with your body chapter so that you kind of have a, a sense of your body already. And what I feel when I take deep breaths, um, and I don't wait till I'm anxious to take a deep breath. I just try to breathe like that normally if I can. And as I'm breathing, I notice uh, there's a little bit of more relaxation. And that is the oxygen getting into our limbs. Um, oxygen does not, from our chest, disperse out into our limbs like it does when we belly breathe. And so, you know, there's a, a huge case for we need to relax um, and we need to learn how to relax and how to self soothe ourselves in a, in a chaotic, environment that you know maybe within your home or maybe within society wherever you're at um, there's a lot of chaos um, in the external world and so how can we relax the breath is huge for that it also is very helpful in terms of um, managing stress and managing pain hugely with pain uh, I, I found that you know it's like the first thing I'm doing when I you know it's like oh I'm in pain oh am I breathing right okay go straight to the breath for, for some support and some help and so being with your breath it's just huge and there are many many benefits I do talk a lot more in the book about the benefits right. of, of breath 
you know, just how it's helped me in different ways, you know, you know, during a massage or, you know, having certain time of the month cramps or whatever's going on. I am, when I'm really connected there, it is a really beautiful way to connect with myself and a beautiful way to connect with the world because we're all breathing the same air. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, <laughs> you know, I, the, the, this uh, breathing technique that you talk about is uh, it's just basically deep, deep breaths, right? From the belly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. And there's lots of different techniques that, you know, in, in terms of like five seconds in, five seconds out, right. or, you know, three seconds in, five seconds out. You know, there's, there's some different, and, and, you know, you might, and I talk about it a little bit in the book, you might practice a little bit just to see how you feel. Some people, you know, I mean, a lot of times, you know, meditating and focusing on the breath. For me, that's not ideal. I, I for whatever reason, I, <laughs> I've heard this from many people who meditate. Focusing on the breath sometimes um, throws off the natural cycle of the breath. Um, and I and I find that to be the case for myself. So, you know, I mean, I'm not going to judge myself. Or right. I'm not going to really... I'm going to use other meditative techniques right. around it. Or maybe some counting or, or you know, different things. Um, I, I meditate in, in various ways. And a lot of the different chapters review a lot of different types of meditation. There's, there's as many types of meditation as there are exercise. Exactly. And that's probably a whole other conversation. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. You can go wherever you want, wherever you want with this. Is my opinion. That's true. I mean, That's the whole true. Book I'm trying to cover your three points. So, so um, letting the difficult be, uh, letting yourself be, right, um, and uh, letting oneness be. Okay. And and right now, even with the breathing, that's really, you know, letting the difficult be. You know, right. breath is great for stress. And, you know, you're having a very difficult time, or uh, I mean, I, I've had some. You know, issues with my family. Uh, my dad had a heart attack on the day my mm. book launched, which was oh, wild man. and very difficult. Um, he's fine and he's doing well and, you know, continuing to, to recover. Um, but certainly a lot of breathing that day. Yeah, <laughs> I'll bet. Um, it's like any kind of difficult things that come up in life, the breath is there to support us and to hold us. Mm hmm. And so I, I really, you know, I can't speak to how important the breath is enough, uh, especially for letting the difficult be. And is your dad doing all right? You said. Oh yeah, he's doing. He's doing really, really well. Um, recovering, okay. and Good. you know, I mean, there's always some after effects, right? Psychologically, you know, it's a right. scary kind of thing. It's hard. Um, and it came out of nowhere. So, yeah. you know. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. Well, I mean, there are gifts in every difficult aspect. Yep. And, you know, we get, and I get to that toward the end of the book, <laughs> you know, with the letting oneness be, because then you start to see, oh, there are gifts. There are gems in every difficult situation that we run into, always. Hmm. Um, and sometimes it does, it takes years to find it, sometimes minutes. Minutes and sometimes, yeah, you're right. That's a very good point. To sign up for my monthly newsletter, text RHCP, that's Rebel Health Coach Podcast, or Red Hot Chili Peppers, to 22828. Again, that's RHCP to 22828. Thank you and have an awesome day.
All right, be compassionate, friend to yourself. Fall in love with your observer and be gentle, loving friend to your sacred self and your inner child. Like I said, this book is just full of pearls, but <laughs> that, that, my, that one I want you to expand on because this is something everyone struggles with to agree. Yeah, everyone. I, I mean, I think everyone, because it's so hard to like some parts of ourselves that are dark. Right. And so, you know, I mean, the the letting your this is moving now into the letting yourself be right. And you know, if I'm going to let myself be, I have got to be a friend to myself. And you know, I have found that the more friendly I am with myself, the more I feel the the more ease I feel. And, you know, we don't have any, I mean, like I said before, people are coming into our lives and leaving, you know, various times. We never know. Life is so fragile, right? Right. Um, and so, but the one person I know I'm always going to have is me. And that's it. You know, I mean, till my dying breath, I, I got me. And I really hope that I can, you know, address some aspects of myself that I don't like. And, you know, I mean, all of those negative aspects of myself is all riddled in fear. And, you know, we see that outside of ourselves, like, oh, well, that guy was just really mean because he had a really hard day and it was really tough. And we have all this compassion for him or her or whoever outside of ourselves. But then within, you know, we're just, well, you shouldn't have been that way. And, you know, you were just mean and what the hell and ugh, I just hate myself. And, you know, I mean, there's that bully or inner kind of bully there that's trying to change this part of ourselves. And it's, it doesn't work. And what helps and what has, you know, worked for me is just to kind of take a step back and go, oh, well, that's a part of myself that I don't really want to reinforce. And I don't really want to continue judging or resisting, but how do I bring some love to that? And, and, you know, I think of myself as I would think of someone that I love and what would I say to them? How would I, you know, I mean, and then even inside myself, there's like a little girl, um, very irrational. I say very irrational things sometimes in my head and I'm like, what the heck? You know, it's almost like this little girl who's super scared. And so then, you know, I have to kind of bring up my inner parent and, you know, offer her words of encouragement and support and love. And man, does that increase my self-confidence when I do that? It's really amazing. I've, I've noticed where I, you know, just give that a little bit of support. If I think of myself like a little girl, like a six-year-old little girl that's sitting in front of me, there's no way I'm saying mean stuff like, well, you shouldn't know this and you shouldn't know that. You know, I mean, that's just, that's not helpful. And so being a compassionate friend to yourself is really about learning how to bring the compassion that many of us have for others into ourselves and maybe even using uh, some objective ways to, to think about ourselves. Like so that, you know, maybe there's the inner child or the inner adolescent or the, the inner parent or, you know, right? There's, there's a lot of different facets within um, so you could use those facets to bring a little bit more of an objective perspective to your mind. Okay. And, and that was, you know, what we didn't, I know we can't talk about every chapter, but earlier is really being with your observer. 
And there is an observer within us all the time, you know, observing what we're saying, what, you know, and, and the more we get in contact with that and touch with that, the more we notice what's going on inside. Um, and then if we're not getting super reactive to it, then we can just kind of see how it all plays out and we understand the patterns. Then we can change the patterns. You brought up a key word there for me, at least, is reactive. Yeah. Versus active. Mm. Or responsive. Or responsive, right. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes we react big time to things instead of think about it before we act. Mm -hmm. And I'm guilty of that as the next. And I, I, you know, oh, yeah, we all are. There's no way. You know, it's like, you know, I mean, it's easy to just move into fight or flight, you know, freak out, like, ah, you know, but then what I like about the being with your observer is that I can kind of go, oh, I'm just, I just got reactive there. I mean, that's like my observer, right. you know, my inner object, objective outlook um, that I can kind of see that, oh, I just did that. Okay, well, all right, I can, I can step back. You know, I mean, at any time I'm reacting, I can right. catch myself reacting and step and take a step back and respond at, at any time. There's, there's no, I just went over the line, uh, screw it. You know, I mean, it's, it's, I can walk over the line and I can step back at any time. I can catch myself saying a really mean thought or statement to myself and say, that's not okay. I'm so sorry. I just said that. And I do catch right, you know, and I'll, and I will apologize. I'm so sorry. I just said that. Like I would to a compassionate, you know, a friend. I certainly, you know, I mean, there's times when we get reactive, even with, you know, a friend or a loved one. Um, and we get reactive with ourselves. And so I- I've apologized many times. And, yeah. then, and then I say, you know, I pull the weed and I plant the seed. And I was like, oh, sorry, that's not really what I meant to say. I got reactive. What I meant to say was you're doing the best you can. Right. And, you know, everything, you know, is going just the way it needs to. Yeah, that's one of my flaws rather I've been working on is passive aggressive comments. Ah. Uh. You it's know, so easy and, and to fall into that. Yeah. Well, because then, you know, what does it really mean to not be passive aggressive? It means to be assertive with one's anger. And it's hard to do. Right. Like, hey, I feel angry about this. Right. You know, and then it's like, you know, I mean, there's so many big aspects to that because certainly one person might say, you know, I, I you know, I feel angry about that. One person might say, well, tough shit. You know, right. or, or, I don't know if I can swear. Sorry. <laughs> uh, but, you, know, you can swear. Uh, oh, good. Well, that's good. Good to know. Good to know. And and then another person might say, you know, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. You know, and then you know, but you don't really know, and it's so uncomfortable and foreign, you know. And I I really want to drive home just how foreign a lot of this work is, which is why no one's doing. Well, not no one, but not a very large percentage of the population is doing it because it's uncomfortable and it's very foreign. And where do we go? We go to what we know. And right. what feels comfortable, even if it's totally dysfunctional. Right. And that's sad. It, it is sad, but it's understandable. Um, you know, I mean, because it's, it's like safety and security. It's it like, I, I like to, to go where I know, you know, even if it's not ideal, you know, then you start to move into something that you're not really familiar with and you find, wow, I actually feel better, even though it feels so uncomfortable. And I think that this whole compassionate friend to self, it's almost like back to the positive psychology that we were talking about. You know, it's like, I don't, I hear people saying like, I feel weird saying positive things to myself. It just feels odd. And I just don't, it just doesn't feel right. You know, and it's like, well, of course it doesn't feel right. You have talked to yourself. It's like an abuser all of a sudden saying, 
hey, I love you and I, you know, totally, you know, I'm going to therapy or something. And, you know, it's like, what? You know, it's it's odd and it's hard to trust. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that there's a building of trust that needs to be done with ourselves that a lot of times, you know, you know, we kind of mess up and then we're like, screw them, you know, like screw this whole part of myself. I'm back to the external. And so we, if we can go back in and kind of say, listen, I'm building the trust. Just like if like a spouse had an affair, you know, you're not going to just like jump right back in and be like, okay, well, let's work on this. Like, yay. You know, I mean, there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of, you know, distrust. Like, I don't trust that you're really going to do this. I don't trust that you're going to be compassionate with me. And so, and I've noticed that in my, you know, when I check in with the little girl, she's like, you haven't listened to me. I'm not telling you anything. And then it took me some time to say, no, 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 I know I haven't listened, but I am now listening. And I see, she says the funniest thing sometimes. So, you know, I just try to honor it, you know, and kind of laugh. And there's a lot there. Um, So much that we're missing. Love it, love it, love it. Me too, me too. All right, let's dive into be with your self-care needs. Nourish your mind, body, and soul using a variety of tools in your toolbox. Yes. Now, of course, this chapter spoke to me a lot because it talks about, you know, self-care as far as all aspects of it. And this is the part that, you know, there's, there's a lot in here. And there's a, this chapter is full, well, the book's full of pearls, but I, this one stuck out to me a lot for some reason. Maybe it's, maybe it's where I'm at in my life right now, or maybe it's because this is what I do a lot of. Hmm. But it's, it, it just, it was, this is really good. Well, uh, it's like, it could be its own book, this chapter. I, I tell you, I really, uh, I wanted to address a lot of things, but there's a lot going on in this, yeah. in this chapter. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, if you're going to be a compassionate friend to yourself, you have to care for yourself in a loving manner. And and this body, this mind is not a, you know, I mean, it is a lot of maintenance. Let's face it, you know, think about all the hours and hours and hours of, I mean, I would say at least, you know, three fourths of our life is maintenance. Oh, you know, yeah. You know, go into the restroom or getting to wash our hands or, you know, wash our body and comb our hair and cream up or whatever it is, you know, I mean, there's a lot. And so, you know, and a lot of people, you know, kind of take that for granted sometimes. You know, it's just like, oh, whatever. It's just what I'm doing or whatever. But there's a way that it can be done with a little bit more love and and not so much resistance and judgment. Um, and I think a big part, you know, and I, I go right in the very beginning of the chapter, I go right into just identifying what we need. That is huge. You know, I mean, I've asked a lot of people and, and, and granted, you know, when people show up to my office, they're, you know, in you know, pretty bad shape, right? right. Or they're, they're, they're having major symptoms at that point. And so, you know, asking people like, well, what do you think you need? And, and, and just to kind of get a sense sometimes. And it's like, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. That's why I'm here, you know? And, and I think, you know, I mean, I've asked people that are not in my office, even that question, and it's not an easy answer. And each moment is going to change, right? Because right. our needs shift um, based on what's going on. So, you know, I mean, I've, I have, 
you know, a whole list of 11, you know, needs that I have, you know, kind of researched and, and thought about, you know, and, you know, it's like, uh, we need love, obviously, okay. we need trust, we need to feel some worth, um, which, of course, negative, you know, talk, self-talk and criticism stuff just, just you know, drains our worth. Feels good to have some freedom, autonomy. It feels good to be authentic. I don't want to have to show up and not be myself because somebody is going to judge me because I'm myself or whatever it is that I'm right. like thinking in my head. And usually, any thought I have about someone judging me is my own thought, not right. Thank you. Yeah. So, you know, just the need of creativity, variety, connection, capability, well being. Harmony and contribution, mutuality. Um, we need to feel cooperative. And I, I, a lot of times, I think people are very isolated in their own work and what they're doing and stuff. Right. So I, I, I think first off, really in being with your self-care needs is understanding what do I need? And if you don't know, that's okay too. Again, right. it's not, oh, I don't know what I need. Ah, you know, I think I need love. Ah. You know, I mean, it's it's just it, it's a slow process of learning um, because knowledge is power, and and self knowledge gives you more of the reins to the power. Right. Myself, I'm a giver, mm-hmm. so and that's a sometimes not always a good place to be. Right. Well, not as long as you're if you're giving to yourself, right? And filling your cup. Right. If you're but if you're giving to others and not filling your own cup, it backfires on you eventually. Yeah. Or feeling worthless. Yes. And so. and exhausted and drained. Right, right. and drained. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's hard because I, I do think, and I even struggle with this sometimes too, is like, how do I fill my cup up? You know, I can look at this list of needs and things and be like, all right, great. But how do I fill my cup up? Because I feel really um, depleted right now. And so, you know, for each person, that is going to be a little bit different. It's not going to be a standard. Okay, you need to do this, 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 and that. You know, everyone is so unique. And, you know, you are the, you know, the answer to that. When you start to look within, it starts to become a little bit more clear. Right. I love the metaphor in here about the invisible fisherman's coat, or I Mm. call, you call it a coat, I call them a vest, but. The same difference. And well, yeah, because it's like I think of the fisherman's coat. It's got all these pockets, like right. tons of different yeah, pockets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, I think a lot of times we are put in stress, difficult situations that we don't want to deal with, judgments, resistances. You know, things that we don't like, things we don't like about ourselves. Just stick it in a coat um, pocket. Stick it in one pocket. Stick it in another pocket, and and then all of a sudden kind of walking around like feeling really heavy. It's like, what the heck is in all these pockets? It's a metaphor for essentially the coping skill of compartmentalization, right. um, which we are all in, in the society quite good at, you know, just put it in a room and put it away. But then, you know, the room starts exploding, but the pockets start, you know, things start falling out of it and then it's getting heavy and you realize, wow, like I'm tired carrying this thing around. What, what's in here? And it's like, oh crap. 
it starts to feel way overwhelming to unpack. And a lot of times people end up in my office at that point, you know, if the compartmentalization isn't working anymore, you know, but I, I do think that instead of waiting until, because eventually it's going to either start feeling heavy, start to unpack on its own, maybe in ways that are, are not benefiting you or start you getting starting to get reactive. So being able to kind of just take that step back and, you know, one pocket at a time, just unpack a little bit here and there. Like, what is this? You know, no judgment, using the mindfulness, taking the breaths, you know, using your observer, you know, watching your thoughts. You know, again, it's all the stuff from the first part of the book of letting, you know, the the difficult be. And then apply, you know, how can I clean out this this one pocket at a time kind of a thing and not feel so overwhelmed. Because I think that a lot of people think, oh, if I go within, it's so uncomfortable, it's so foreign, it's just so scary. I'm definitely going to be overwhelmed. Tidal wave, I'll be done. You know, flailing off to the mental hospital or something. <laughs> <laughs> and that is so not true. A little uh, bit in time really goes a long way. And then you have to put through communication because a lot of people don't know how to communicate their needs. Right. To other people. It's that is so true. Well, I mean, and I think it's a it's a or to ourselves. Right. I mean, if you don't know what you need, then how are you gonna be able to communicate right. it? But it's it really does help if you do know what you need, right. let others know. I mean, there's so many, and I've even caught myself, you know, falling into the mind reading, well, they should know that I need this. Right. And then it's like they have no clue. Um, I have no clue what someone else is thinking they need, right? You know, I mean, I might pick up on, you know, an empathic kind of a thing, but that's kind of a lot to expect others to be doing all the time, especially in such a, you know, bright, shiny, light world. And so, yeah, understanding what you need really can help to communicate to others what you're needing. And then certainly building trust within and building trust with others around that, um, asking what you can, you know, and then maybe they say no, maybe they say yes, like whatever it is, it really can help. It's a, it's the building again about in our, you know, getting to the last part of the book of, you know, being letting the oneness be and feeling our connection to each other. Because if we're not communicating, then we're not connected. Right. It's tough. Yeah. It's tough. It's tough. This whole thing is tough. You know, letting it be is an incredibly difficult process. And I and I, like I said, it's a process, not a destination. Yeah, exactly. And I think I think because of that is one of the reasons why as a society we are so sick. Yeah, I do. I agree. Sadly, mm-hmm. but not, I mean, it's just not the. Our, granted, our food is not perfect. No, I mean, the, our whole mind, body, and self love thing has really gone by the wayside. And it's, be, you know, if you think about back, I was thinking about this as I was preparing for this episode. If you think about back before cell phone, mm. when we actually had to be somewhere to talk to somebody. Yeah. And we had no way to call them and say, hey, we're running late. Yep. Or, I mean, or to, I mean, if you even go further back, our, our, our grandparents, who are probably way healthier than any of us, mm. 
because they didn't have all the, the, the we turn on the TV today. It's if if, if, you, if you even watch the news, which I can't stand to, no. there's nothing but negativity. We're connected to everything. And we're, we also have this need for instant gratification mm-hmm. that we didn't have back then. And also our children today, we have an obesity crisis in children because mm-hmm. the fact that they don't stop away from this box, the TV, the video games. They don't go out and play like we used to. Ride yeah. the bike, get dirty. Yep. Ugh. And we, it's sad. But this is the way of the this is the where we're at. So we yeah. have to learn how to deal with it. And this and this book is perfect for dealing with this. Yep. And changing, you know, slowly but surely right. the world inside out. I wish I wish I could say that I'll be around to see that, but I, I, yeah, I don't know that I'll be around to see that I, either. <laughs> and that's okay. I mean, that's okay. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to judge it. I'm not going to push right. it either. Right. You know, we get real pushy with ourselves right. and with others, you know, wanting yeah. progress. Right. I want to see change now, you know, and, and really a lot of times before change really occurs, a lot of muck has to kind of right. come up and we have to kind of sit with it. Right. This is kind of what we're doing in our society right now. And this is, what we can, you know, what, what we have to do with ourselves. And, and, and what I find with the muck within me is that inside that muck are like you were using the phrase pearls. Right. And, and I'm so glad I'm looking there because right. I am learning so much more about what it means to be a human being. Right. Um, and not such a human doing. Right. I want to move on to the third part before we go. Okay. But I want to talk just briefly about the six key areas of self-care, which you can just run through them because I I really think that people need to go back and read this. But uh, go ahead and cover those six, the six mind, body, and brain care part. I mean, real quick, there is tons of information on this all around, you know, but it's important to address what we can do, right. you know, on the outside and we can exercise. Yeah, I mean, and, and so first of all, one of the reasons I, I, I brought this up is, I mean, I don't, I don't know the exact percentage now, but I know that it's incredibly high of people who are on antidepressants. Oh yeah. Um, and um, I think it's like three out of four people or something right. like that. And, you know, I mean, for some people, absolutely. You know, these antidepressants are godsend and we're so thankful and grateful to have them to help regulate, you know, the the hormones and, and the neurotransmitters in our brain. Right. You know, I, I do think people jump to that a little bit too quickly. Right. And so one of the one of the, the things that these six aspects address is, okay, if you're not feeling so good in your mind, these are some things that can help you know, before meds, even though the sixth one is medication. So first exercise, get moving, whatever it is. And even the term exercise is kind of like, like meditation is like, I don't want to deal, you know, but then Mm -hmm. we do it and then we feel good. And then we're like, well, yeah, try to move your body. Don't call it exercise. If it's got a negative connotation, you just move. Your nutrition, like we were saying, what we're eating, you know, are we eating a bunch of processed 
foods and things that are just riddled with chemicals, you know, that our FDA has not banned, but are banned in several other countries. Right. This is really scary stuff. So, you know, trying to eat a balanced, mindful diet as much as you can. And I know that for some that's, you know, that don't have the socioeconomic status to buy organic vegetables and different things, that's right. a real kicker. And, um, you know, but I, I think just doing the best that you can of eating vegetables and washing them, you know, as best you can um, and trying not to buy a lot of boxed stuff right. that you're eating. Yeah. I mean, as far as the food goes, frozen vegetables would be better than... There you go. Right. Than the fresh, non-organic. Right. Right. Okay, that's good to know. So mindfulness meditation, you know, being in the present, you know, whether you want to do a meditation, quote unquote, or you want to just sit around and you're in this chair and you're taking a breath in and you're in the present moment right here, right now, you know, use your senses. If you catch yourself in the future, just bring yourself back in the moment at any time. It's, it's a, it's like I said, a process because our mind is going to just wander. It's this mind is like a, it's like a untamed mare, you know, it's just like wild in our head sometimes. And it feels crazy to try to tame a, a, a wild horse. Right. Um, and it is hard, but it's doable. And so, you know, it starts with present moment. Right. And I even say the fabric of now weaves a blanket of peace. Yep. Love that. Okay, sleep. Obviously, you know, getting the proper amount of sleep. Everybody's like, yeah, yeah, well, I know that, but I can't sleep. You know, it's like, ugh. Well, you know, I mean, I used to work at a sleep disorders clinic. And one of the biggest things that they would say is don't lay in bed longer than 20 minutes while you're just thinking, thinking, thinking. Get up and train your brain that that bed is not made for thinking. That bed is made for sleeping or, you know, maybe other right. but, you know, sitting in a chair, very non-technical, not a lot of stimuli and breathe. You start to get tired again. Huh. And then you can go back to bed. Maybe 20 minutes goes by again. Get up. Don't lay there longer. So um, that's one little, one little, little tip for you. Hormones, obviously hormones play a big role in our mood and how we feel. So making sure to you know, get checked out have an understanding of if your hormones are a little wacky or off and then medication. You know, I mean, that's the last case scenario, in my opinion, you know, wait, if you are feeling depressed or anxious and you're like, I gotta, you know, if you can get on top of it early, work on some of these things, you will see a difference. And, you know, of course you'd see a difference if you go straight to your PCP and get some medication too. You know, I mean, it's just, how do you get off it? And and you can. It, it's just a little bit harder. It, it's just a little bit easier if you address these things first. Right. That's where I come in. <laughs> yep. That's where you come in. I help people get off of medication, but is that right? Yeah. Oh, okay. So well, and, I love that. I mean, because I think it's that's that's a big problem, you know. And then all these people problem. are, you know, feeling like, well, this is it. You know, am I am I depressed? And they go off the medication, thinking, well, this isn't doing anything for me, and then. All of a sudden, they're feeling depressed again, like right. super bad. And so, having these things in place, and then working on, you know, weaning off and understanding that there's right. going to be a little bump yep. to, around neurotransmitters getting yep. balanced again. Yep. That's where it is. 
a moderate path. Yes, it's a moderate path. It's a slow mm-hmm. path, but it's a moderate path, and yes. it can be done. It can. All right, let's talk about the final. Be with God and the essence of life. Yeah, so moving into the last part of the book of you know being or letting oneness be. Right. Here we're working towards surrender, connection, and just the building of our spirit. We are meant to be connected with each other. And we are meant to be connected with ourselves. I think one of the reasons why we're not connecting with each other as often or, you know, I mean, connecting through Facebook and things is a totally different thing. This true connection and intimacy with others, it, it comes from a place where we're connected with ourselves. And then we connect with others. So I go into obviously be with God and the essence of life. I could have put this chapter pretty much anywhere in the book. I thought about putting it in the beginning and I decided to just kind of stick with oneself and then go bigger. And so, you know, just really kind of taking all, all of the chapters that we've talked about and then bringing it into this bigger force that is that we are a part of. I mean, it's one of the reasons I'm more spiritual. You know, I mean, I'm not one for, you know, saying that, you know, God is outside of us and that we are, you know, we must find it outside of us. If we're connected and there's all this oneness going around, then God is within us. I mean, I don't know how I found all those words to write and and everything that I did. You know, I mean, that was coming through me and it was through a connection. And as I connect, the more I connect, the more, you know, and, and who knows? I don't have, you know, the understa- complete understanding, no one does, of what this really is. I'm just going to tap in. Right. I can do that with, you know, just bow to the great mystery of it all because I don't. <laughs> and I won't protest it now. Right. But I do know that, that we are very unique and yet we are all the same. That chapter reminded me, or that this part of it reminds me of the, uh, there's a picture of everybody sitting around a dining room table on their cell phones and and, and not connecting. Mm-hmm. Like texting each other right. across the table yeah. or something. Yeah. What, uh, what are, what's going on here? Yeah. Like what happened to bonfires? You know? Yeah. And, and I do think that technology has really changed our relationships right. with each other and a lot in a in a major way that if we don't get get a hold of this, right. um, I think it's really going to cause more problems in the world and in our you know and just in our connection and yep. we've got to stay connected. And we got to stay connected to ourselves. Yep, that's the glue that right. connects us to each other right. in, exactly. in some ways. Yep. Well, Lisa, this was amazing. Oh, Tom, and this is a, uh, such an honor and a pleasure to, to chat with you today. I can't remember the last time we physically saw each other, but it's been a while. It's been a long time. <laughs> it's been a long time. You know, sitting, at the bar, sitting at the door at Bell's. And, yep. Yep. And then now you're married to Jeffy. I know. I love it. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. It's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a universe thing there. Oh, that's a definite universe yeah. thing because we've been we were really good friends for a really right. long time, yep. and and then just something shifted, and you know the veil got right. taken away, and it was like, oh, well, hello there. Well, <laughs> how did I miss you this whole time? <laughs> He's uh, amazing. Yeah. 
He's an amazing husband. One last question before I go. And I ask this of all my guests is if you had an hour to just kill, what album or artist would you listen to? And it really always depends on my mood. Right. You know, and I, I guess if I'm really in the mood to just listen to music and I just want to hear, it probably would be The Dark Side of the Moon. Okay. Pink Floyd. Good album. Good album. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and it's a, it, it, a roughly an hour. Yeah, it is roughly an hour. You're right. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Um, and just filled with sound and just such, such beauty. And that I is an amazing it. album. That's probably one of my top 10 albums of all time. Agreed. Yeah. So... I will put the link to this in the show notes to purchase this book on Amazon. And uh, any other links that you have, please give them to me. Yeah, okay. Well, drlisatumbleton.com is, you can always find out what's going on with me. And I do have a, in the next few months, I am going to be doing another online course. Okay. um, About going within, um, haven't, you know, nailed down the exact title yet, but it is about um, learning how to go within yourself. And, and will that be available on your website? Yep. yep. So that all people listed. go to your website. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Good. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tom. Appreciate I really you. appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for joining in today with the Rebel Health Coach, Tom Underwood. And be sure to subscribe to the show so you can catch all the episodes. With desire and commitment, you can implement a lifestyle of wellness and fitness. For the support, encouragement, and tools you need to be successful, visit TomUnderwood.net.